It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everyone, welcome to the next episode of The Table. Uh, my name is Jason Squires, and uh, today um, uh, we are actually, this whole month, we should say, we're talking about worship. What is worship? Coming from different angles. And I am joined by Jamie Lawrence. Jamie, how's it going? Doing great. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Hey, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and then we'll kind of jump into today. Well, uh, as you said, my name is Jamie Lawrence. I am the Executive Director of Ministry and Outreach at Campbellsville University. Um Longtime worship leader, love to play music. I'm a road musician, uh, got the battle scars to prove it. <laughs> a musician, I love being in the studio. It's one of my favorite places to be. Uh, I mentor young worship leaders and awesome. uh, do worship ministry consultations with churches and trying to help them figure out uh, what the next steps are in their process or help them resolve issues. Um, I have been here at Campbellsville for, this is my eighth year. And I love being on campus, being around college students. Uh, not everybody loves being around college students. I happen to be one of those weird <laughs> people to do. So, but um, That's my awesome. wife is here as well. Uh, she is Dr. Elisha Lawrence. And I have to officially say that she got her doctorate. And I asked up front, do I have to call you Dr. Lawrence? And she laughed and she said, no, just call me doctor. Just call <laughs> So, yes. Um, just just call me the, the doctor, actually. The doctor. That the doctor. The doctor, the doctor is here. My wife and I were both into theater big through high school. And so we love the theater. We love acting. And both kids have done a lot of acting and work in the theater. And it's been fabulous watching them perform and I sing. Love it. And, and so we, sp- we have a lot of joy with our family, uh, our family life. And it's just great. Um, I love it. Really worship together. That's a big plus. Uh, the first time that happened, I about lost my mind because I was I was in tears almost the entire service. Yeah, they were young. My son was playing a cajon. He could barely sit on top of it, and his feet touched the ground. And my daughter played the piano and taught her a few, a couple little licks to play, and she knew the chords. and And we did a song together that very yes. first time. And it was like, and this has been it's been eight years ago when we first came here. That's when we led worship together for the first time, and. Uh, it's it still chokes me up because it's yep. just a special moment. Now, it's nothing to take them with me and be like, "Hey, I need a drummer and I need a singer, and you're both coming with me." All right, let's do it. You know, and, and my wife and they want to. That's awesome. They want to. They yeah. and they they understand the leadership part of it. They understand it's not just standing up there and singing or behind an instrument playing. It's this is something bigger than us. And uh, I that's what I love about being able to depend on them. I don't worry. They put the work in, they put the effort in to learn the songs and learn what we're doing. And it's, it's great. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So speaking of worship, and that's what we're talking about this month and on the podcast. Yeah. And what is, what would your, uh, how would you define the word worship? What is Jamie Lawrence's definition to that? That is the million dollar question. Exactly. Uh, the, uh, you know, worship in general, and I always do this with, with students and with different people. I, worship in general outside of the church, the word itself yep. is to give worth to something or someone. And so 
uh, Christian worship really means to give worth to God. And so I, I use that definition a lot because I feel like worship goes beyond music. Yep. Music's a form of worship, and it's what we typically think of when we think of worship. Um, but so in essence, when we worship God, we we more than uh, we worship more than we realize. Uh, I believe when we worship, we bring God joy in, in these different things. Um, when my kids do what they're supposed to do without me telling them, yep. it brings me joy. So when we as, as God's children do the things in life we're supposed to be doing, it's forms of worship. Yep. Um, it shows giving worth to God, and, and it, I believe it brings God joy. So in essence, like um, I believe that um, we serve God through through missions and service. Uh, we serve God through uh, teaching and study. We serve God through um, worship God through uh, prayer. Um, and we worship God through fellowship and relationships with others. And those are all found in Acts chapter 2, uh, 42 through 47. That's the, I call it the five pillars uh, of the church, worship, study, uh, prayer, fellowship, mission. So when we serve, we, we worship uh, we worship God with those around us, with, with strangers, uh, whatever we do, when we interact with others, we worship God. Um, you know, when, when we want to get to know God better uh, through study, uh, not just reading the Bible. It, I feel like sometimes in church, the idea of reading the Bible, people don't think of that as worship. They think of it as a chore. They think of it as, uh, well, I got to read the Sunday school lesson for this week, so I better get my Bible out. And, and it almost becomes like a mundane thing. I compare it to this. When I met my wife in 1997, she was working at G.D. Ritzy's restaurant, serving shoestring fries and greasy burgers. <laughs> yeah. When I met her, I was like, hmm, wonder what she's doing this weekend. I want to I take her on a date. You know, yeah. we, we met and we talked and I was like, we went out that weekend. But the, the blessing of it is I wanted to get to know her better. I wanted to find different ways to connect with her and talk to her about family and, and history and talk to her, to her about what how she grew up in church and yep. talk to her about these different things. And I wanted to find out more. That's what we do when we read the Bible. We want to connect with God and, and find out more. And when we find out more about someone like that, when I found out more about my wife, I was wanting to, well, she wasn't my wife at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but without more about her, I wanted to tell others, like, oh, I met this girl. She's amazing. Well, when we discover more about God and our relationship with God, we naturally want to tell others. And so mm-hmm. there's a natural point of that, that that is worshipful in that. You know, we uh, want to give give worth to God and we want to do it in such a way where we grow and get to know him better. How can I tell someone else about him if I don't know him that way? You know, and and that's that's difficult. So when when we lead worship musically, we should know the word enough to know God enough that we're singing songs about him. Yep. Um, the, one of the things that I love about country music, besides the twang and the bendy guitars, <laughs> is that there's a lot of talk about relationships. Mm. A lot of descriptive words about relationships. Yep. Um, when we talk about God, when we sing about God, can we truly sing about those relationships with God, that relationship with God, the things we do, if we don't know him that well, you know? And so um, can we truly sing about the goodness of God if we've never fully experienced the goodness of God? You know? Right. It's like when people say you can't, 
you can't lead somewhere you can't lead someone somewhere you've never been right you got to right. go there first and then and then and then lead people to that place Exactly. So when we talk about worship in that manner, I feel like worship is, it's experiential. We have to experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it again shows value to God. He's worth something to us. He's worth so much to us. How much is he worth to you? And you can tell when you walk into a place, this is the hard part, especially, and I'm not dogging on church. I love church. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times you go to a church that is having difficulties and that's part of what I do is I go to a lot of churches that have difficulties or they're going through a hard time or they're going through stuff. And when you walk in and you see there's a coldness at times and and you you realize, wow, they've really kind of gotten jaded with their relationship with God initially. Yep. And that alone starts a, a, a process of we've got to get these people back in love with Jesus. You've got to find that that warmth again, that the love again. And so. um in, in that so worship with music, it, it's not about what we're singing. There's been that debate for so long, the contemporary versus traditional. And that was such a big debate for the longest time. And yep. we were arguing about the wrong thing. It's not that at all. It's about whether you're singing with heart or not. Because I love Amazing Grace, but I was singing it a thousand and one times. Well, probably more than that. Yeah. Five. I've said it a million times. But you can sing Amazing Grace and sing it note for note, exactly right, precise, precisely right. But are you singing it with heart? Or you can sing it and put yourself into it and put it to a place where if it wasn't for God's grace, then this poor, sinful wretch of a man would not deserve heaven. Mm. And when you think of it in those manner, that manner there that, that God loved us enough that he sent his only son to die for us, that he wanted that relationship with us. From the beginning, God wanted the relationship with us. And so when we sing these songs and we give God worth, man, we, we pour those things out. So singing a hymn, singing a contemporary song, singing a bluegrass gospel song, yeah, singing a southern gospel song, uh, whatever the genre, it doesn't matter. If you're not singing it with your heart and, and knowing where that comes from and the relationship that's there. So it's, it's a building process. Yeah. And totally. And um, now you work with college students and, uh, and had, you mentioned this college students and uh, what, and you, and you said earlier, you, or you said to me before we uh, got on here that you ask, you like to ask this question in your class. What are mm -hmm. some ways that college students have responded to that and said, what, and when you ask them, explain worship, what is worship? How does that, does it differ? Or what do you what do you see from um, from those responses? It's it's that we get a lot of the typical. Granted, we get a lot of Sunday school answers. Yeah, and a lot of classes. Um, one of the blessings, I guess, just after the pandemic, when we opened campus back up and started having students again, we tried to find places that were large enough for our classes to be. And I work here in the chapel, yeah. and so having a seven hundred fifty seat auditorium is a large place, and so a class of sixty students could easily come in and spread out. Oh, yeah. You know, so I got to sit in. I would come in and sit in the back and listen to a lot of our theology classes that were happening over there. Um, and so you would get a lot of Sunday school answers from the, the freshmen coming in, the younger students coming in. And so when you talk about what is worship, and I teach a class on Monday nights, that's a, a worship class and, um, and an ensemble. And uh, I ask them this very first thing, what is worship? And we go through what I just explained to you there about how what worship is, but I like to hear their answers. And a lot of times they give that Sunday school answer. Well, worship is, it's giving God glory. It's praising God. 
Yep. Okay. What else is it? And they're like, Oh, there's more. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, I'm like, is, and I start asking them the questions like, what is, I, I don't like using the term devil's advocate, but I, I guess you can call that what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we talk about, I'm trying to throw questions out to make them think a little bit. Like, what, what is it when you worship? What makes it worship full? What, and they'll give me answers like, um, because I love the Lord and I'm singing about him. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's a good answer, but tell me more, go, go in depth. And so we finally get to a place now where I, I've added a songwriting component to my Monday night class. And uh, we'll do song uh, analysis, look at worship songs and songs, hymns and, and gospel songs and whatever. And we took look at everything. And is it scriptural? Does it does it truly give God worth? What is it? And so they've gotten to the place now where when you ask them towards the end of the class, what is worship? They will they go in depth and they'll talk for a half hour. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and so I, and, not, and it's not me. It's just sharing the passion of it. Totally. You know, Opening the doors. Place. Yep. Yeah. And um, so we have I have to brag on this one young man. He's a drummer. And uh, we did the songwriting component stuff. And I said, OK, let's go to a place and let's find here's a, a method. And there's a lot of methods to songwriting and people do what they want with it. But here's one. Uh, go back and look for a sermon or a devotion that just inspired you. And don't write off of that. Take notes off of that. Mm. What does this mean to you? How did this impact you? What What does this mean about your relationship with God? How does it make you think of these things? And take notes and write down what it means. And kind of like in, in a journal format, I said, and then from that, start piecing it together in, into a song. And he came back with this Isaiah 40, something like that. I, I can't remember exactly, but he, he doesn't put chords together. He just wrote lyrics. Yeah. He's got rhythm, and so there you can. That's right. That's right. And so, it was one of the most beautiful songs. That's it was amazing. amazing. And so to see this, the student pour out his heart in that through the scriptures and through that, and, and and create something that that meant something special to him. It's just beautiful to see how the door opened up. And I said, "Well, there's the beginning. Let's get this thing published and get it out there to somebody and see what happens." And and so we're working on that song still. Uh, he's in my class again this semester. So we're gonna we're gonna do something with that. But yeah, there's so other good. students starting to see that that happen. So when we talk about what is worship with them, starting to see them open their eyes to the fullness of worship and, and how it how beautiful worship really is and how far it can go. And and it's not just singing songs because I feel like sometimes, not again, not to dog on the church, but we get in church and we sing songs that hit the roof. Yep. They hit the and that's where it goes. And we sing songs because they sound good, or we sing songs because they 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 feel good, you know. And and um, we had to get past that point. When I first came here, we had students that let's do this song. Well, why are we going to do that song? Oh, it's got a great beat. Right. No, that's I, not. not that's, what is your reasoning for doing this song? And that's when that's the extent of it. I knew we had work to do. Yeah, you know, and not everybody was that. We have some great very talented worship leaders here, young worship leaders. And I'm really proud of where they are and what they're doing because they serve and it's, it's beautiful. That's um, awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's uh it's always fun to listen to. I, I've done a couple of high school, like high school, um, uh, Christian, uh, Christian high school camps. And they, um, I go in and ask like students, like what, what, you know, what, what songs do you want me? To, what songs are you resonating with? And then I'll kind of build my set list from there. And I always find it interesting the songs that come back on the lists of like those aren't even 
that one that one like is it's a radio it's on the radio and it talks yeah. about but we're not actually doing any like so i totally understand that that's a a space where you're like the, the song has to make sense in the in the scenario and is it does it make sense for people to sing in a worship right. setting right and we've had discussions about you know where songs come from and that's that was one of the things uh well when I, I taught in a private high school at one time and and I hope to get to do this with this group at some point in the near future. But when I talk to them, like, where does the song come from? Well, it's on the radio or it's on iTunes or it's wherever. And I'm like, yeah, but where did it come from to get there? You know? Yep. And so I took a group in high school uh, down to Nashville and we went through the process. We went to um, word record company and asked if we could take a tour of their facility. Yeah. And they, no one had ever asked to take a tour of the facility before. I said, well, we just want to kind of see a little bit behind the scenes and, and what the place is. And I, one of the guys there took us around and uh, showed us this what they do in their offices and the room where they sign artists and stuff. And yeah. It was kind of neat. And we went down to um, Corner Music in Nashville and looked at the music store. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of professional grade music stuff here. Let's look at the instruments and let's talk about this. And we, it was just great. We went to um, we went to Lifeway and talked to Lifeway about their distribution, what they do, and they're like. No one's ever asked these questions before <laughs> the class. I'm like, we're asking questions, you know? And so, but to see them walk through the process of how the songs get to us, I said, now go back before all of that. Somebody had to write it. Yeah. And they were inspired to write it. And that was the relationship they were inspired to write from. So that's, that's a, the beautiful thing about it. And just showing them that there's a long process in getting a song to us. And, and then not only that, you know, not every song that we hear on the radio is, good theology or good, you know, so that's why we do song analysis. You know, yep. what is the song? About? Where do they get this from? Where's the scripture come from? And that's, yeah. I love it. Now t- talk to the person who leads worship for like a youth, youth or college. Um, what are some ways to engage their team to dialogue about worship and also process what a heart for worship looks like? You know, a lot of times I are a lot of times, or I'm a, we, we've talked a lot to like in other past podcasts to like the adult Sunday morning experience, but we don't right. necessarily talk to a lot to the college or youth experience. Some things cross, but there are some, I think specifics that are different in leading a group of youth or a group of college students. Um, what are some talk to that person and kind of help, help them through that. I use a similar um, format or formula so to speak, as I do with both groups, but you direct it a little bit towards each group. Yeah. Um, I have this one phrase that I use for almost everything I do when I talk to groups. And, and that's this, if we can get past our preferences and realize our purpose at that point, we'll be in his presence. Oh, that's amazing. Say that so again. If we can, Say that one more time. Past, if we can get past our preferences and realize our purpose then we can be in his presence. Amen. And so that's to me is a huge thing. So when they see the backside of that, it's not just, you got to get past your preferences because we can say that all day long to your blue in the face. And all it's going to do is make people mad. Yep. And that's it. But okay, let's talk about your purpose. And so I usually work backwards. Where do we want to be? What's our end game? Well, to be in the presence of the Lord, to have the Holy spirit just open up the, the heavens to us and, and, and that we can glorify God freely and, and, Great. Okay. To get there, you need to realize your purpose. And so to realize your purpose, what is our purpose? And so now we have something we're looking for. Well, how do we get to that place? 
Well, you got to put preferences aside. What what you I want to sing this. Why? Because I'm a huge Chris Tomlin fan. <laughs> We're gonna sing yeah. oh, Chris Tomlin. Push that aside for a minute. What are we doing? Our purpose, his presence. That's where we get to. So let's put preferences on the back burner for a little bit. Uh, you don't have to all together. Uh, you know what? We do a lot of songs I love. And, and the, But I don't do them because I love them. We do them because right. of our purpose and his presence. And so when you put your preferences in the right place, when we put the, the cart behind the horse finally, <laughs> then we can really get to that place. And so that's what I talk to students about because sometimes they get can get really – anxious about it because they see the church as an establishment that is um, kind of held by the older generation or the generation just older than them, you know, and I'm, I am that generation now. I'm the old guy. I'm, yeah. I'm 40. I'm the old guy. I never thought of myself as the old guy. Just a moment for reflection on that. <laughs> Sit and resonate in that for a second and you process gonna, that statement. I'm going to call us some counseling after this, but yeah, no, I'm gonna, I, I, I really, I, I am. And, well, and, but you just, I want to go back to that for a second. You said uh, something about preferences and I thought it's interesting. I think sometimes if you, if you, if you sit in your purpose, your preferences will align in, 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 it's like, they're not going to, they're not going to compete. It's like, Oh, am I, if I figure out the purpose, like your eventually your preference comes along and you go, Oh, I see the I see the preference the preferences can change and kind of help direct right. the purpose and so that I love that I love that it molds you it really does mold you and, yeah. and like I said you take that statement and then work it backwards yep if you give the statement backwards naturally then sometimes people miss where you're going with it yep um, I, I put it in that order then work it backwards and then yep. it makes sense because um, I'm backwards that's just how I am <laughs> I, I grew up in rural Kentucky all right so it just it, it's where I am but um, you know when when I grew up here's the funny thing about this because uh, I love music I have a great love for music in general I was in band in high school I was in choir in high school uh, I've played music everywhere um, the funny thing is I was horrible at it but I played uh, upright bass at a jazz seminar that Wenton Marsalis was doing at uh Western Kentucky University when I was a freshman in high school and he started just calling people out of the crowd. Oh the no. Funny thing was, I had never played an upright bass before in my life. Oh geez. So I was like, I got, I was like, okay, I'm going up there with my band director. You could just, I look back and I could see him going, no, no, please don't. Please don't. And <laughs> <laughs> nah, I strutted right on up there because I thought I was tough stuff. And then I realized when I got a hold of that upright bass, it's not strung the same way as a, an electric bass. And I was like, okay, <laughs> figure this out real quick real, uh, real fast I need to, I need to, yeah so tell me what i'm doing, tell me what I'm doing. I, I basically went in marsalis helped me learn a riff real quick on bass that i could do and the piano player played and the drummer played and i was playing with that and and he did his trumpet thing so i love music in general i, yeah. I just jazz music and 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 you know easy listening um country gospel you name it i love it all because i find a respect in it yeah and I think that's the thing is we have to get to a place where we find respect in it i grew up in a little country church where if we had 25 people, man, it was a big Sunday. You yeah. know, my grandmother played the piano at the church. And when I was little, I would go and sit on the piano bench next to her. Now, granted, she didn't get much past, you know, right here in the middle of the piano. She didn't yep. play on the play all over the place. She played pretty simple, but it was it was good. And I would put my hands on the keys at the top. I wouldn't push down on them, but I acted like I was playing along yeah. with her. And that was one of the greatest things for me. But we we did all hymns. We, we had an old 
the Heavenly Highway Hymn Book. The old, Heavenly Highway Hymn Book. Yeah. And it was all these old country hymns. I'll fly away. Uh, you know, when the roll is called up yonder and <laughs> victory in Jesus, all the old hymns and stuff. It wasn't the big church hymns. I didn't know a lot of these. I didn't know um, a mighty fortress is our God. I didn't know those. <laughs> I, those were those were too big for me. Uh, they said the word bulwark in them, and I didn't know what that was. You That's know? right. Uh, you said the Heavenly Highway Hymn Book, and the only thing I could think of was Stairway to Heaven, and that was not the right song. That was not the right. I really was like, horrible. that's not that doesn't fit that that doesn't fit that list. But it. <laughs> uh, I've got I've got a, a sermon I'm actually working on at some point that I want to write um, about that. But anyway, that's that's a whole. Other yeah, that's thing. a whole other story. That's a whole other. But uh, I grew up with the hymns, and I didn't know anything different. I played Southern gospel when I was a teenager. My dad loved Southern gospel music, and my family yeah. did. I, I grew up playing that, but that's what I knew. It was the culture I was raised in. You know, and culture is a lot. Uh, different churches are there for different reasons, and we have different types of denominations, different types of churches for a reason. And and a lot of it's the culture you're raised in, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I was raised in a little country church. I loved what I, what I went to every Sunday. Um, I didn't know any different. You know, and um, so when I went to college, um, that's a whole other story, too. I didn't go to college till I was 21. And so when I went to college, my wife and I went to the Baptist Student Union, not the BCM, the, the BSU back in the day. And we snuck in the back, sat on the back row, and they're doing this worship stuff in there. And, and I, this was in 1999. And I'm like, what is this? This is this is not right. <laughs> what is this music? That's that sounds like James Taylor up there. I don't. That's not Jesus. <laughs> not, <laughs> so, this can't be right. This can't be right. That's right. So, you know, but um, that's that's part of it is the, the culture. I, I I grew to love it. Yep. And I, I grew to respect it, and and because of that, I have a great respect for for music overall. Like I said, and, and awesome. I had to get to that place with with the church. Um, that what we were doing was not, it's not heretical. It's not, it's not fanatical. It's not crazy. You know, um, it was good. And and I had to learn that there was solid scripture teachings in some of these songs and it was very beneficial for the church. Yep. Uh, and when you get to that place you can share that with a church and share it with that testimony with others and, and try to show them where, uh, where God is in the music then it's there. And, and they're not doing anything crazy. Nobody's doing anything insane as a matter of fact these things say a lot of things that our heart says you know when we think of scripture when we think of stuff it's it's a beautiful thing so talking to a group of young people um it's really similar to talking to a group of older people it's just kind of directing them to each other one of the greatest experiences of my life uh, was serving in youth ministry and realizing on fridays our senior adults would gather for lunch and a devotion and a lot of times they'd do a craft or something um and so getting the youth group during the summer to go and, and spend time with them was amazing because it's their grandkids. It was their, you know, their, their grandchildren that were coming, hanging out and their friends. And so I was like, you've got to go and spend time with these, these people. And they got to where they loved doing that. So um, getting the communications open that this older generation is not trying to hurt the younger generation. We're not trying to press them down and push them down, yep. you know, and that there, there can be communications. And then, I asked, um, this is kind of tough, that same youth group, six months into my very first youth ministry, I had a student that was killed in a car wreck. And I had about 20, 25 students that were coming on a regular basis. Um, After that, we had students showing up 
every Sunday night looking for something. And mm-hmm. I mean, we would easily have a hundred kids show up on a Sunday night. Wow. It was part-time. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So I went to the adults and I said, they're here every Sunday night. Can we make our Sunday night services a youth service? And can you all become youth workers? Can you just be here and be part of this? And then I would go to the youth and I was like, go find an adult and ask them to come sit with you and worship with you. Oh man. That's awesome. You're about breaking down walls. Yep. Beautiful. And so a lot of times it's the communications. One will sit over here and one will sit over here and they, they don't want to talk to each other, but they kind of just lob thoughts at each other. Like, Oh, they, these, these old people just don't like our new music. And the older people's like, well, they're just too loud or whatever. And it's not like that. There's, they're really each are waiting to talk to each other and wanting to talk to each other. If they would and open up their hearts and do that, you find a place where worship can be cultivated. And so a lot of times when I go to talk to someone, talk to a group or, or uh, I look at the culture of the church uh, and I try to explain the culture of the church where they are and what, what it means, but also try to talk to them about building that bridge together. And, and talking to each other. So good. I just, I love, I love uh, your heart for um, this. And I love, I love the, the way you're processing it and like saying, talking it through. Cause you can tell it's not just like rules on a page and you're kind of like doing your job. You are, you are what you're, you are what you're doing. And I, I love that. Um, I love the break down the walls. I love all of this. Um, Cause it, it really, I think, uh, brings this what is worship topic um, to uh, to different level. Like we're talking through uh, what it means to uh, what it means for the younger generation to be worshipers, and what it means for you know we you know as adults you know sit sit together and talk together and kind of work things through on a like what I grew up calling it big church and uh, in doing that, but like seeing it come in a in a youth in a college setting, in a, um, working that way. What do you, uh, wh- wh- what do you see as the difference between how college students approach worship versus how adults approach worship on a Sunday morning? Cause like, uh, cause you've done both and, um, I'm there. I, I believe there's a difference, but like, what do you, what do you, how do you see that in a difference there, in, in the difference there? There is definitely a difference. And, um, I think back, kind of to the history, the history of worship a little bit and, yeah. and, and follow me here. <laughs> but when you had, um, I have this theory on worship history that there was a point in the, the great depression and just after where, when people literally had nothing, you know, they had, they had church, that church was something they could hold on to. Yep. And they were consistent with that. It was consistently there. It was one of the few consistent things that people had in their lives. A lot of times, um, especially in rural areas, uh, you know, you, you had a lot of people didn't know some kids that grew up poor and didn't know they were poor, you know, they, and so they were taken to church. Church was consistent. And so because of that, you held on to stuff that you had, you didn't let go of stuff. You know, you didn't want to let go of, of, of the stuff that meant something to you that was consistent in your life. And I feel like through the years, the decades after that, you had people that consistently the next generation this was the same way. Well, this is how we learned to do this with family. We, our, our, our parents, they held on to church. So we're going to hold on to church this way. And then and there comes this point where there's this revolution that we call the Jesus movement. So yep. to speak back in the seventies and uh, late sixties, early seventies. And when that happened, there's this new wave of people who are coming in, they're discovering Jesus and they have no background in church necessarily. You know, they have no, 
their family maybe didn't go to church or they weren't raised in church. Um, and so they're wanting to express themselves in a new way. And so it's, it's, it's different. Well, there's automatically tension because we're holding on to, you know, we have to hold on to church in this. And it's not that that church was going to change as far as the message. The message should never change. The message should be Jesus and him crucified uh, and risen. And, and that should be the message the whole time. Uh, however, our, our mode changes a little bit. Our method changes a little bit. And um, and this is new group that was expressing themselves. And you had uh, guys like Chuck Smith out in California who was trying to encourage these young people. And he brought in um, Chuck from his nephew to come and, and take those and, and, and go on, of course, uh, and, and encourage those young people. And that's was the development of Maranatha music later on. I mean, you yep. see those things on the way. And so that, that progression of, of seeing them develop, having somebody to mentor them and develop them and, and learn the ways of the church, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing too. And so I think sometimes the older generation back then would hold on to stuff strong because it's what they knew. It's what their family did. It's what mom and dad did. It's what grandparents did. Yeah. They hold on strong to this and they didn't want to let go. They didn't want things to change. You didn't want anything to change because change sometimes back in those days, in the old days, could have been bad, especially look at the Depression. And then after that, there was, and we had wars and things that happened. Change was not always good. And so when they see change, they, they was associated with bad, bad stuff. So that held to that generation. Well, now you have this new generation coming in and they're they're wanting to do something new. And But they're positive. They, won't, they don't want to change anything for the bad. They just want to change the way they sing their music, the way they express their music. And Maybe their hair's a little longer. And so, uh, some of us just wish we had hair. Um, that even to today. So now we're seeing that that generation's now older. And so they understand a little more. It's not as bad today as it was at one point. I don't think there's as much of a worship war today as we once saw. Yep. Uh, back in the 90s, 80s and 90s, oh, it was a battle. You know, the, the the adults versus the young people and the, the contemporary versus traditional and people just could not get along at times. There were churches divided over this. Um, and so that's today at this point, I think, is has gotten more mild. There's still some of that argument out there. And when those arguments come up, that's when I go back to my statement. If we can get past our preferences, realize our purpose, we'll experience his presence. And that's our ultimate goal. And so. Young people coming into it today, uh, the thing I worry about, and this really concerns me, is we live in an, an age of entertainment. I mean, I remember growing up not having a cell phone. Yep. The first cell phone I had, the most entertainment I had on that was, uh, what's that, that snake game? Oh, snake, yep. Yep. And the Nokia, <laughs> the Nokia that goes up and down and left, yep. Yep, yep. Hours of fun. Oh, totally. And it wasn't in color either. <laughs> no. It was like a gray screen. Yep, so, Exactly. Um, and my mom wouldn't get me a cell phone when I was in, in high school. Uh, you know, the bag phone and stuff. I, I couldn't get one of those. I had a, I had a pager. So, yes. and when you had a pager at that point, you were either a, a drug dealer or your mom was constantly worried about you. <laughs> so, uh, my mom was constantly worried about me. And so <laughs> I was the second one. I was the second, I was the second one. one. I was not a drug dealer. Uh, I can't take baby aspirin without getting dizzy. So, um, <laughs> Not where I am. Uh, well, this, this coffee's a little too strong. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Yeah, but um, you know, I, I think the discussion now is is how are we doing this? Are we doing church to entertain? 
yep. that generation. Right. And 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 I'm I have a, a friend who's a pastor in uh, down in Nashville, and one of the discussions he said was, "We entertained so much for so long. Now they're it's distracting." And so now they're going through their church, the sanctuary. And what's distracting in here? Can we take this out? Uh, what can we remove that's not going to take away from the service? And they want to strip it down to being, let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on his word and which his preaching is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that's a big shout out to my buddy, Josh. So I he is, is great. He's one of my favorite preachers all time. And so, but to see them do that, that's a, that's a beautiful, I think, method of where the churches are going to now. Is let's let's not entertain. Let's just have something a little more meaningful. Yep. You know, let's not be shallow with it. Yep. Uh, love it. Hey, so as we wrap up uh, the podcast today, um, we call this podcast the table, and I think I'm going to like the answer to this question. I believe, I firmly believe, I'm going to like the answer to this question. If because uh, I believe good conversation happens over good food. So yeah. if I was coming to the Lawrence house, right? What is a meal that would be on the table? What would be, what would you guys be, what, what would you serve? I love to grill and to cook and stuff. Yes. Um, and Preach. so I'm a burger guy. Yeah. Okay. Crazy enough. I like burgers. I think um, I would fix for you what we have just down the road here. Um, you remember the band, the Kentucky Headhunters? Okay. Yes. They had a song called Dumas Walkers. Okay. That facility, Dumas Walker's restaurant, is roughly 15 to 20 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. Okay. And in the song, you get a slaw burger, fries, and a bottle of ski. The slaw burger is this sweet slaw. It's really good on it. And I make that with yep. a nice big double cheeseburger and uh, maybe some caramelized onions and that. And, and um you can sauce it up how you want to, whether you want to or not. It's just good the way I like the, the slaw sauces it up for me. And then some seasoned fries. I prefer yeah. crinkle. It's my go-to. Okay. Like I'm a little old school in that. My wife likes to shoestring fries, but that's okay. <laughs> not everybody can like the good stuff like me. Um, <laughs> but then there's the bottle of ski. Uh, I, I'm here in Campbellsville, Kentucky, central Kentucky, Green County next door to me is uh greensburg is where ski was developed it's like a mountain dew for those who don't know it's like a okay. mountain Dew, yellow type of drink yep you live in this area you are given it's given to you in a baby bottle when you're born um <laughs> that's pretty much it if you had to go to the hospital for uh and had to have anything transfused they put ski in your veins um that's <laughs> it's it's a, a massive uh Thing. So when that song came out, people were like, what is even a bottle of ski? And I'm like, it is God's gift. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> there was, in, in, this in sounds, the this sounds amazing. I mean, the manna fell from heaven. There was manna and ski. And, and was, ski. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, you just made me hungry. You may, I knew I was going to like the answer to your question because that's, it just, I feel like, I feel like it just works. When my wife and I married, that was one of the things that we loved to do. I was practically raised by my grandparents in, in the kitchen all the time with my grandmother. So yeah. I'm a young age. Uh, I make gravy from scratch and make biscuits from scratch and stuff. I mean, I I can cook. I yep. can not a prideful moment, but I'm pretty proud of the fact I can cook. I can Absolutely. survive, you know. <laughs> so um, but yeah, my uh my wife and I that's how we really talked. 
when we had things to talk about, we get in the kitchen, we're making stuff and cooking and talking. And while we're cooking, we're just discussing everything that's happened to the day and what's what all has gone on and stuff. And uh, we don't do that as much now because we're so busy. Our schedules are crazy. But every time we get a chance to get in the kitchen together, that is some of the best therapy. Because as you're going, you're sampling stuff. Hey, taste this. This is all right. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Oh, add a little more salt or put a little more sugar in that. And so we're we're constantly. And it's just it's some of the best conversations because you're busy. You're doing stuff. And it's busy. It's good therapy. I love it. I love it. Hey man, I appreciate your time today. Appreciate you hanging out and uh, sharing all your wisdom and uh, just excited. Uh, and I'm actually hungry now talking about that burger, but, um, but just uh, excited to kind of process this with you and, yeah. uh, and talk through what worship is in a college and in, in a college setting. And, um, but yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. You're the best, the best. <laughs> Love it. Hey everybody. We will see you guys. Uh, we'll see you guys next week.